0: Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Becca, welcome to the World XP Podcast. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. So we're going to start with the questions from the previous guest, and then we'll do a little bit of an intro, and then we'll jump right into it. I'm super excited for this sneak preview to those who are going to stick around for longer than two minutes uh becca does crime scene stuff so that's pretty cool so if you've seen any of those shows kind of maybe not so similar but kind of like it um all right the question from the last guest is how do you deal with rejection or failure do you have specific coping mechanisms that you that you use or are you an everything happens for a reason type of person or how do you deal with that sort of thing
1: man that's a good one um i am very hard on myself um Yeah. that's a good one. I think I definitely am not and everything happens for a reason. I try to be, my mom always tells me that. Um, but I really dwell on things. I guess my biggest like coping mechanism is like working out, whether that's in the gym or like we met playing soccer. Um, I feel like soccer is a huge mental outlet for me because I'm so focused on what's going on in the field that I can't even think about what I came mad about. So for me, I definitely would say like working out is a big, big stress reliever when I'm having a bad day or any problems arise.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, one one thing that that question, or at least the, the everything happens for a reason mentality that I figure out is like, it's easier to let go of things that are outside of your control. Um, and that kind of helps just like, it's like, all right, done, off to the next thing and we move. Um, All right, who are you and what do you do?
1: Well, my name is Rebecca Robinson. Uh, I go by Becca and I am a crime scene specialist in DC. It's crazy to me, but August, I just hit 10 years in the forensic field, which I don't feel like I have been in it that long. I feel like I literally just moved here. Um, Started in Virginia, 2013, fresh out of graduating college. Uh, in a fingerprinting job and stayed in the area ever since it's like I said I did I don't even believe it's been 10 years um but yeah currently in crime scene investigation uh it is pretty cool because of the CSI Las Vegas that's actually how I got into it my parents were like obsessed with the show so I'd watch it with them and then actually found a college right around my house um that offered that degree so I was like all right let's give it a go and here I am 10 years later. So it's
0: been great. So, what do you, well, I guess you answered some of the questions, but when you go to school, what is it, is it criminal justice or is it a different, like a forensic degree or is it a science y type thing or how do you, how do you decide that? And I guess all the kind of building blocks fell into place. A lot of the questions that I ask for people who are in sorts of fields that are not like your typical ones are how did you get exposed to it in the first place, which you answered already, and then how did you, get the training the necessary training that you needed to kind of to jump into it um which obviously was your school but how did you go like was it an easy path for you or was there a lot of searching around for for various trainings or certificates or degrees or how did that work
1: yeah so I actually got really lucky it was um I think the last semester of my junior year my high school actually offered a class in forensics and I was like I wonder what this is like. And I absolutely loved it. And my mom just, I think she just Googled it and found one probably like an hour and a half away. So I went for like a crime scene night is what they called it. Um, And fell in love with the school. It was D3. They offered me soccer as well. So it was like a good two for one. I got school and soccer. Um, My specific degree, I got very lucky. Sorry, literally he doesn't want nothing to do with me all day. As soon as I pull out a laptop, he's obsessed.
0: That's okay. Um, happens.
1: I got very lucky that my college, my degree is forensic science slash crime scene investigation. Uh, each college is a little bit different. I know a lot of my colleagues and friends they had to either do like a forensic route but pick bio or chem um, and kind of take classes that had to do with those. And I got very lucky where I didn't have to do it because we were crime scene investigators. So like all of my sciencey class were like my math was blood spatter um, and like hit and runs, um, like tire mark reactions. So I got very lucky that I didn't have to take any classes that I didn't think were gonna be useful to my degree. Um, And I think it was just all opportunity. Like I was literally in line at my college graduation and this girl was like talking to me and my other um, friend who were classmates of her. And she's like, hey, I just got this job in Virginia. They're doing a mass hire. It's for fingerprinting, you guys should apply. Um I think I had maybe a 30 or 45 minute phone interview and I was hired right away. Um this area in particular, I like to call it a hub. There's just so many federal agencies, so many state, uh, county, all these different agencies whether you're in Virginia, Maryland, or DC. It's it's a lot of opportunity. Um so yeah, once I moved here and started the jobs here, I was able to kind of transition pretty easily into other jobs. Um, my biggest recommendation would kind of be like, look into the different fields because forensics is a very broad thing. Um, like I said, I'm in crime scene investigation. There's also fingerprint examiners, firearm examiners, um, chemistry, which either deals with drugs or sometimes like urine analysis. Um, there's digital, there's so many different entities and some of them may require more schooling. Mine, I was lucky. I just needed my four-year bachelor's. Um, but I know some of my friends went on to their master's and some agencies you need that. Some agencies you don't. Um, once I started at my first crime scene job, they actually got me my certification. It's called the II. It's the International Association of Identification. And they offered a crime scene certification. And that's really helped me because my current job, they actually wanted it for me to get hired. So I definitely... Uh, fully support people looking into what their agency is willing to pay for. Um, Like my agency right now and many agencies also will help you go back to school. So like I said, I only have a bachelor's, but if I ever wanted a master's I get money to go back to school. Um, Some agencies are really, really into training and helping you get those certificates. And like I said, just do your research and know like kind of what you want to get into because everything's a little bit different. Um, I was, like I said, very lucky. I'm only four years of school and I'm in crime scene. So
0: yeah so what are the different forensic sort of fields because i had i think i had some neighbors that were in more of the like i don't know dead body forensic stuff and then there's the photography and then like you mentioned all the like the chemical side of things and and all the various sorts of things how did you well how would you get into or i guess try the different types of fields right you mentioned how your path was kind of kind of the cards just laid themselves out for you in in a, in a nice way but if they didn't what what would the process be for for trying different things or if you want to go fingerprinting or photography or or any of the other things how would you go about doing that
1: yeah I would definitely say try internships um I like went to a very very small school so I unfortunately did not get an internship and I was actually really scared that it was going to hinder. The beginning of my career. Um, so I got lucky that I didn't need one. But another really great resource is ride-alongs. Like you can just reach out to these agencies and be like, hey, I'm interested in so-and-so. Do you have that type of field at your office? If so, could I come shadow for a day? Like if it's a lab position or, you know, I, in DC, we do ride-alongs. Um, so you could come ride along for a crime scene. We can't promise you'll get one because we can't plan out the crime. But even just showing your enthusiasm in the field and like you're trying your best to get any resources that you can, it really shows a lot. Um, I'm A big thing that I found was crime CrimeSceneInvestigator.net. It's a website that just kind of links everything together and it has different fields. Um, so I started my career in DC in the evidence unit. So excuse me, if the other crime scene people or officers had to take uh, grab evidence from scene and then bring it back to the building, that was what I dealt with. Or there was uh, outside agencies that would come in and we had them test fire. Stop. Um, Sorry. Um, So my first job was just in evidence, like the property room. So you kind of see them on TV. It's like, just looks like a cage with all these boxes. And I feel like that's a really good representation. Um, and then I worked my way into crime scene. Um, but that website has like crime scene jobs, supervisor jobs, internships. Um, it has a lot out there um, all in one spot. So mm. all over the country, different agencies post their stuff there. And it's just a great resource, resource to have.
0: That makes. Sense. But yeah,
1: there's, there's a lot of fields. Like I said, I started out. In fingerprinting. So I was in a lab 10 hours a day just using different chemicals, fingerprinting different objects. Um, You can get into that. There's firearms, which deals with like test firing the guns, which serve two purposes. You want to be able to tell the operability of the firearm. And then it's this really interesting thing that you can connect a known firearm to an unknown casing by the impression that it leaves on the back of the headstamp. So there's one for the firing pin and one for the ejection port. And it's a very unique pattern that can be linked back to that gun. Um, You can also do, like you see on TV, like the microscope, the comparing two different bullets. That's more like the striation pattern of the bullet firing from the gun. Um, Digital, so you can do breaking into laptops, Cell phones. You can even do um, like like security cameras for like if there was a break in, a robbery, or burglary. Um,
0: Let's do. Let's talk about the the fingerprinting stuff because I feel like that's one that most people would have seen on TV before, um, or or (laughs) have some reference to it. So when you say there's different chemicals in the lab, so what what is the process of? Okay, you find fingerprint at a scene. And then, and then what? Right, we see in various TV shows. Right, we saw in, uh, eh, the National Treasure where he yeah. gets like the little thing to get the lady's thumbprint and scan it into the the thing. And other TV shows where they have like powder and all this other stuff. So, how does it actually? How does it actually work? Or what are some some of the processes that you guys use to gather and gather gather that? And then, and then, I guess, what is what do you do in the lab with it aside from? Well, is there, a, is there a longer process to like, to actually match it or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So each agency is going to be a little bit different. depends on your budget, depends on like your SOPs, which is your standard operating procedures is what type of chemicals you're going to have and what chemicals you're going to use, um, whether you're going to do it on scene or bring it back into the lab, <coughs> excuse me. Um, feel like every CSI person we have black powder and that is our like go-to we use it for everything um a lot on like smoother objects so let's just say I had a car broken into I'm going to get in the car and look at it my first thought process is going to be okay if I was getting into this car what would I touch if I was driving it what would I touch how would I go about being inside this car and then I'm going to Again, look at rough versus smooth surfaces. So smooth surfaces, like the the glass on your cell phone, if you just like touch it, you can see it. it's a really pretty print. Um, so I'm, that's what I mean by smooth surfaces. Um, so inside of a car, depending on the type of radio you have, if you have a touch screen, um, your windows, obviously, if you pull down your vanity mirror, those are all... Um, the, the rear view mirror. Those are all great spots for fingerprints. So that's where I'm probably gonna search first. And yeah, we just have black powder. There's different kinds of brushes. I prefer a feather brush, um, but yeah, you just kind of like twirl it, go around the print and you're trying to just have the dust adhere to the print on the object. And then it's it's kind of just like clear tape. Um, they, they call them all these fancy names for crime scene, but yeah, it's just clear tape. And then you put it on there and then you put it on a backing. Um, Which is kind of just like an index card. Um, You use contrasting colors. So if I'm using black powder, I'll use a white background. If I'm using white powder, I'll use a black background. Um, As for the like comparison part, that is not us. So we will do all the finding of the fingerprints and then we send them away um, to an examiner, which like I said, is more of like the latent fingerprint unit. So they're the ones that actually do the comparison. And that is a whole other certification. And like, I know sometimes it could take up to like 18 months for that certification. It's very specialized and very unique and it takes a lot. Um, usually if we're in a car and we have the owner, we'll also get their fingerprints. So it's easier to compare the ones that we found to theirs and we can quickly eliminate them. Um, Cause again, we're trying to find the bad guy in the car, not the owner um yeah. now if it's like bigger objects or you know like water bottles or cardboard or letters receipts we can bring those back to the lab and use chemicals on them each chemical does a little bit different we have porous versus non-porous so porous is like Papery stuff, so things that absorb moisture. Non-porous are things that don't absorb moisture. So examples of porous, like I said, would be like receipts. So let's say you know the car got stolen on the 5th and there's a receipt from the 6th. That's most likely going to be from the suspect. So we can fingerprint that paper. Obviously, we might get the person that worked at the restaurant, but it's always great because you have to receive it once you're in like a drive-through. So we have chemicals that can deal with paper. And it's basically reacting with the sweat glands in your finger on the paper. Um, Non-absorbing materials, non-porous, like I said, kind of like chip bags or like water bottles. Those are my favorite to process because we have something, it's called cyanoaculate, but it's basically super glue. So you'll put the item in the chamber and you'll add liquid super glue to a fuming, uh, basically like a hot plate. And when it heats up, the vapors go into the air and stick to the fingerprint on the object. Um, And then it'll leave like a white residue and you can either add black powder or the preferred method is like a dye stain. So these I feel like is what you would see on CSI, like the fluorescent like greens and yellows, like in the lab. Um, Mm -hmm. That's real life. It's really cool. And I could nerd out about fingerprints forever. Um, But yeah, it's, the chemicals are forever changing and getting better and they can do really cool stuff and really help us. Um, But like I said, we do all the finding and then we will send all of our prints out to get examined and then they can put it into the database or like I said, compare it to the owner if we know who it is. Um, And then if somebody has been arrested before, we'll have record of their fingerprints and it can be compared to that.
0: So if you, two follow-ups to that one is, obviously you'd prefer a nice clean print like on a cell phone screen or whatever, like something like that. But if you don't have one of those, how, at what point are they sending you back to go look for a new one, a cleaner one? And then the second follow-up is if they've not been fingerprinted before, then are you just kind of out of luck?
1: Um. So first question that's what's really risky about forensics. We're kind of one and done. Most times we don't get to go back. Like, especially if we're doing a search warrant on somebody's residence, you don't have legal access back to that place. So it really is one and done. Um, that's why you have to really go into it very methodically. Um, like I said, I will always go into something smooth slash rough. So if I'm inside and it's a super rough surface, like, Kind of like my water bottle has all this texture on it. Anything that like has all this texture, that's going to be better for DNA. So I go into it thinking, what can I print? What can I DNA? Sometimes I can do both. Sometimes I can do neither. It's just kind of a crapshoot and you never know what you're going to get, which is kind of what I like about forensics. Um, I'm never bored. Every day is a new adventure at work. So yeah, normally it's one and done. So you have to kind of plan it out. So DNA, super sensitive. So you have to do DNA first because nine times out of 10, you're not using a new fingerprint brush every single time because that'll get very costly. Um, So you want to do DNA first so that you're not contaminating anything, and then you'll go in with your powder. Um, But again, if you're doing DNA, that's a swiping motion. So if you try to do that on a smooth surface, you could be swiping through a fingerprint. So yeah, it's all based on like your experience. And I always say like, if you don't know, ask somebody like your colleagues are your best like support system. They may have worked a scene that you've never worked before and it's two brains are better than one. So I am never too prideful to ask for help because I cannot redo this. And this is somebody's like life in my hands and I'm not trying to screw that up. So I will always ask for help. Um, And then sorry what was the second part to that if
0: like if you if you got a print and they've that person has never been oh yeah they're not in the system yeah
1: yeah unfortunately if they're not in the system you're kind of not out of luck but kind of in like a holding pattern you're kind of hoping that they'll eventually get put into the system because what's nice is those unknowns we can keep them so it may pop up like five years later. So you might not get the person right away, but if they end up getting committed for a crime in the future, you you can link it back. So it, yeah, it can be a little frustrating. Um, But I, I try not to think of not being able to get the person. Like I'm just always trying to help the victim in any way that I can. Um, And I don't like to let those small obstacles, like, weigh in on oh i'm not gonna get the guy so why am i gonna do this you know of
0: course i mean you have other means to identify or or whatever but yeah dna
1: (laughs) is like slowly gaining speed so dna has been really great as well
0: so that leads me to a question that i've thought about well there's two parts to this question the first is I was talking with somebody the other day it was like an old We were, it was like we we're talking about an old crime show back like in the 18 whatever i was like how did anyone get caught ever um i know and then the second part is it gets into that like personal um liberty maybe is, is not the right word but like at what point like you as as the agency that's going to investigate would love if everybody's dna and everybody's fingerprints were on file but like as me a private citizen i was like i don't want them to have my stuff because i just like i don't why would that need to be the and then obviously some for like different jobs you have to get it done anyways but um like there's a comedian that had a joke about the 23 and Me stuff it's like oh everyone's so interested in sending their spit over the internet to some website that you have no idea. And now your DNA is just out there. It's like, yeah, it doesn't seem like the best idea. Yeah. So how do you, how do you guys deal with that from a, I don't know, from, from you as the day-to-day person thinking, yeah, it'd be really nice if we had everybody's DNA and then it's like, oh, okay, well maybe not. Cause that's like a little creepy.
1: Yeah. it can be super invasive. Um, Luckily, like, if you've committed a crime and I'm the one collecting your eliminations, like, or sorry, if a crime has been committed against you and I'm collecting your eliminations for our processing purposes, I'll explain to you, like, we're going to be getting your DNA in prints. It can only be used for this case. So I'm not sure if every agency is the same way, but like the last two agencies I've worked for, we don't just get to like keep your DNA forever and do whatever we want with it and put it into every system possible. We can only use it for comparison purposes, for the evidence we have at hand. Um, but yeah, those 23andMe, it's very funny because I think that's how, is it the golden state killer, I think?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I'm
1: familiar, yeah. its You don't realize how much is in that small print and what they can use your stuff for, so... Yeah, there's been uh, several people being caught with those ancestry genealogy kits right now for crimes. So, yeah, um, it's hard because, yeah, wouldn't we love to have everybody's everything? Yeah, but also it is like a privacy matter. So, um, luckily, like where I work, I feel like it's repeat offenders. So, like, we probably already have your stuff. (laughs) But, yeah, for smaller agencies and... I can't even, like, even the early 90s, like, I can't even imagine how did they catch anybody? Like, their CCTV was probably horrible. DNA was not very new. Fingerprints was barely used. Like, I don't know how they caught people. Um, Which is why I think personal opinion, um, the Innocence Project probably took off so highly because there were so many wrongful convictions that they were just, like, badgering people into just saying, yeah, I did it. Cause they they just wanted to be done with the questioning. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was hard. Um, we're very lucky that technology and things keep changing and it's for our favor because it's definitely helping our job and really helping us catch the people that did these bad things. So we're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah.
0: On the flip side to that. Now I watch a show like bones and I'm like, how does anyone get away with anything now?
1: It's crazy, like, it's not to like give people tips, but when we watch, like, whether it's like a ring doorbell or you know the grocery cam, and people aren't wearing gloves, just something as simple as wearing gloves while committing a crime, I'm like,
0: I don't, I don't think that's you giving a tip. I think that's in every like crime novel ever. I'm
1: like, just put on some gloves. Like, that's the first thing I'm looking for is fingerprints. If you're wearing gloves, I can't get anything. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. Um, like I said, technology is forever changing and people are always trying to find new technology. Like I know, uh, I'm in like a, I forget what it's called, but like a council for this DMV area of different agencies. And I know the biggest thing that like we keep getting presented in these meetings is ways to get like DNA off bullets. So like when you're loading them into... The firearm um DNA and fingerprints is still kind of difficult to get off those things so there's forever people trying to make that a higher success rate so yeah like 2023 things are just increasing for the forensic field and we're just finding better ways to do things um so yeah it's definitely in the favor of us and not the criminals and it's like I said it's fun and i can talk about all the sciencey fun things that we can do forever it is yeah
0: so when there's new when there's something new that comes out how like to get it i guess test ran like for for instance you only have one shot at a scene but you've got this new piece of gear that you want to try have you tested it a bunch beforehand or is the test run at the scene, or do you do your normal, what you would normally do, and then try the new thing afterwards to make sure that you get it, and then also see if the new thing works, or how, how does new stuff get implemented into your repertoire of things?
1: Yeah. Um, for us, particularly at my new agencies, we haven't really used any new technology yet, um, but like I said, I'm a member and got my certification through the IAI. They have a yearly conference, and at that conference, they have like any other type of conference, like booths set up with different vendors and different these different products that you can try out. Um, And they also send out, I wanna say it's quarterly, might be quarterly. Um, uh, It's kind of like a book, like a, not a magazine because it's only like this big, Um, but different tests and trials that people have tried out these like different machines and products. Um the biggest thing I've noticed is a lot of people just do like fake fake evidence. Um it's real real items but not not something that they've gotten on a crime scene. So they'll test it out in the lab setting. Um cuz yeah, we don't want to mess it up on actual items. Um unfortunately, I have not been a part of the, like I guess it's the procurement process to decide like if this is a product we're actually going to get. Um Cause I don't, yeah, I don't really think there's been anything that new or beneficial for my specific agency. Like we have a super glue, super glue chamber. Um, But yeah, I don't know how that procurement process went. Um, Maybe in the next 10 years of my career, I'll get into like the procurement process right now. I'm just, oh yeah, we have this and I use this. Um, But yeah, it's definitely a lot of like controlled lab settings that you try out these things because yeah, it's it's too crucial. Like especially if it's like a homicide case, this is yeah. literally life and death, and we're not trying to possibly destroy our only piece of evidence on a, a testing out a new product. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of lab controlled environments.
0: Remind me, actually, I'm gonna send this to you now before I forget. There was a reel that um, popped up on my feed. These guys were playing like live action role play and pretending to do spells or whatever and the crime scene people got mad because i guess they they like blew a glitter bomb on on a body or something like that
1: yeah Um, the body is very important evidence (laughs) let
0: me see if i can find this because i'll forget otherwise but you mentioned in the next 10 oh here it is you mentioned in the next 10 years of your career so in um in the crime shows or whatever, there's always the like hotshot detective or whatever. And then there's the lab people and the like, wh- what's next? Like what would be the career progression for you? Like, do you want to get into the investigation side? Or are you more of a lab type person or where, like what, well, I guess what are the career paths within your industry? And then which one is the one that you are on and or aiming for? Okay.
1: So TV-wise, it's typically like real life is like three roles. You're either a lab, a street, or an investigator. So the lab people, they're the ones that do like the comparison and all of the identification. The street, that's like what I'm currently doing. So I'm just like the collector. I'm going out and my job is to document the scene. And so I can bring it to court and then collect everything so that the lab people can have it. And then between me and the lab, that information gets sent to the detective. Um, typically very common for this area. In order to be a detective, you have to be a police officer first. So that's, um, a big thing I probably should have mentioned at the beginning. I'm not a police officer. Um, Depending on the agency, some of them still are in the police crime scene role. It's slowly shifting where it's civilians doing crime scene and police officers doing police work. Um, I feel like
0: that that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so we have the schooling for it. So it was always just like a lateral thing for a police officer. However, crime is getting so bad that we need police officers on the streets policing that they're – kind of picking up like oh we have these people that went to school for this they have this skill set for it we've taught them how to do it let's have them do it and then the police officers can stay and try and prevent it from even happening
0: what, um what a concept
1: yeah it's crazy i know it's like down the east coast is really popular i've got friends working in california the carolinas florida texas Colorado, so it's it's becoming a lot more popular to have civilians doing crime scene and police officers being police officers. So in that aspect of it, I would never be a detective. I would have to go to a police academy, be a police officer for like, usually it's a minimum of three years and then you can become a detective. Um, And I have no desire to do that. Um, My husband is a detective, he's he's great at it. I'm proud of him. I don't wanna be a police officer. (laughs) I like my nerdy science field. Um, So yeah, as for where it's going to take me in the last, gosh, probably two years, I've kind of stepped more into like a teaching role. So I'm training a lot of our new people. Um, My agency, we still have some police officers as crime scene. Um, So they come in with zero experience. Like I said, it's like a lateral position. So I'm doing a lot of training of them and trying to make sure they can do what I can do. Um, I wrote a whole training program because we didn't have one for the longest time. So for new employees, um, I just guest lectured at a college the other night. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I guess, like I said, I didn't realize I was already 10 years in, so I'm really enjoying giving back and like teaching. I love talking about my job. Um, I think I, I even joined this like pen pal for, like elementary school kids, even if I can get one person thinking about the forensic field. um, Yeah, it just brings me a lot of joy. Uh, So I definitely want to keep teaching, keep trying to do administrative stuff. I also wouldn't mind stepping into like a leadership role. Um, Maybe within like the next five years or so, I wouldn't mind being like a supervisor. Um, As for lab, I wouldn't mind if I could do evidence processing for fingerprints like i that's like i said how i started my career i just used different chemicals in the lab so i could probably do that again uh, but my eyes are already so bad that i don't think i could do like the the fingerprint comparison cuz it's literally just like you're unknown and you you think this might be it and you're just looking at the little pores and like lines on your fingers but like blown up on a screen for your whole shift and that's a lot.
0: <laughs> that so, sounds yeah, horrible. Think, is there yeah. not like is there not like software or something that helps with that?
1: It's getting better, but you still have to be the last like verifier because you can't just say yeah yeah the computer figured it out. Like it, it needs a human aspect to make sure that you're actually verifying it correctly. Um, so yeah, I think I knew from a very young age that I didn't really want to do much lab stuff. Like I said, being in the field, my job is different every single day. Like, I never know what I'm going to come into, whether there's been a car crash, a burglary, a shooting, a a stolen car. Like, every day is a new adventure. And I think that's what I really like about working in the field. So, yeah, the lab, it is for some people. It just, it wasn't for me. So, yeah, if I could continue teaching, um, maybe supervise soon, but, yeah i do really
0: enjoy field work so what so let's say all right call comes in crime scene is existing what is the protocol process what like what what are you gathering does it depend on what the crime scene is like what are you bringing with you and then what are you looking for from right your husband's a detective so do you have the conversations with those guys say hey um What do you guys, what would be best if we found for you? Like, do they have things that like, Hey, if you can find X, Y, Z things that would make our job easier or is it no school? Well, it's obviously a depends answer, but, or is it more school says we have to go through step one, two, three, four, um, or is it kind of both?
1: Um, so we have a radio just like every police officer does. So we'll either get called over the radio or, Sometimes if it's like super weird, we'll get called on the phone. Um, but we have everyone has their own pre-made crime scene kit. So like in my kit, it's probably I don't know like this this big. I have my camera, my flash, extra batteries, um, DNA swabs, sterile water for swabbing, all my fingerprinting stuff, black powder, brushes, tape, backards. Um, I've got scales. I've got a couple tape measures. Um, My old agency, we had a lot of shootings, uh, and I worked on Midnight, so I used – it's like chalk, but it's got, like, reflective specks in it. It's phenomenal for photoing at night because the flash will, like, hit it, and it gets you a good circle. Um, So everyone has their own kit, so I will just grab my kit, um, drive there. I've been very lucky that the two agencies that I worked for doing crime scene, it was – a very communicative process. Um, I, there are some colleagues and people that I've talked to from other agencies that they're like, yeah, sometimes we get unseen and they're like, just do this. And you're like, that's not really a conversation. Um, I like to say, you don't know what you don't know, especially when it comes to like newer detectives. They don't know what I know and the types of scenes I've done And what is a typical way to process the scene? So I like to have that two-way conversation. Um, But it all depends on how you go in it. If you go in like, hey, dummy, you don't know what I should do. Why are you trying to talk to me like that? That's not going to go very well either. Um, So I usually try to explain like, hey, you know, let's talk to the first responding officer. Because either dispatch has given them information or they've talked to the victim themselves. Or maybe they were on scene right before the suspect left. So they're your best first point of contact because they probably have the most case information. So myself and a detective, will go and talk to them. And then after that, I'll have a conversation with them. Like, Hey, they saw this person in the front driver door and on video before he was in the driver door, he was in the the pet or the rear driver door. So are you okay with me only processing the front and rear driver side? Because we have no information to tell us that they were on the passenger side at all. And they more likely will be like, yeah, 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 no problem. But like I said, it's definitely a communication thing. um, Because, yeah, not every crime scene is the same. And there are times where you have no information. So if you have a car and it looked like could be two people fled, could be three people fled, we're not really sure, you're processing the whole car. (laughs) And it's just just the way it happens sometimes. Um, But, yeah, it's really, really about communicating. Um, Like I said, I've been very lucky. I, I can probably count on one hand on over 300 scenes that somebody was difficult and like rude to me or like told me like, no, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Um, so I've, I've been very lucky that I can have that open communication. Um, and they really trust my experience. I mean, I've worked oh, all different kind of casings, like I said, shootings, homicides, crazy traffic crashes. So I kind of let my experience talk for myself and they're usually pretty open to have that conversation on what we think we should be. Are you about. ever
0: under a super big time crunch? Like sometimes you see on, or you hear about, like if, if the crime just happened and the, there's an officer that happened to be right there or are you ever under a, like a big time crunch or for you guys in your side of things, you are just kind of business as usual to get every piece of things that you can find even if he, like only, by the time by I the time feel- you get there kind of the action is subsided a little bit yeah I
1: like to call ourselves last responders we are there when everything's safe and has ended like we are not police officers we are last responders um I feel like w- the only time crunch I think I've really ever been given is on a, a traffic accident like we had shut down 295. Going towards like in DC, going towards Maryland at like 3 a.m. for a, a traffic crash that ended in a fatality, which is very serious. So we have to do our due diligence, but also it, it was a Saturday morning and everyone's going to be needing that road. Um, I would say that's the only time I really get a, a time crunch is on traffic accidents where we're shutting down main roads. Like I've had to shut down it's either independence or Pennsylvania Ave. like rush hour in the morning. It's, that's the only time people are like, Oh, so, so the much power do you really to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my old agency when I was working homicides, I don't think I was ever given a time crunch. Like that is the most severe of crimes and people want me to take my time because if I don't, then I'm making a mistake and that's their evidence in their case that gets messed up. Um, I was very lucky that, yeah, the homicide detectives, very patient. They knew my role was just as important as theirs, and they needed my stuff to be able to do theirs. So, yeah, I would say the only time is really traffic accidents that are shutting down major roads. I've been pretty lucky that I haven't really been rushed. Um, We do get asked that, like, how long do you think you're going to take? I hate that question. I hate that question so much, especially when processing a car because – most fingerprints aren't visible to the naked eye. It's not until you put black powder on it that you know how many fingerprints sometimes there's one or two, sometimes there's fifty. And to do fifty lifts, and is you have very to get
0: common. all you have to get all fifty.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, so that it is makes, the one it makes question
1: sense. I think every CSI hates is how long do you think you're gonna take? Are you almost done? I don't know. We'll see.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's why. So I would imagine that you've seen some pretty gnarly stuff uh, in all of your scenes. Is there, is it difficult to deal with? Or was like the first time you saw some crazy, some, something crazy, you couldn't sleep that night or like, are you kind of numb to it at this point? How did that work from the mental side? Did you ever have the, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to do this anymore. Or was it like, where were you, where were you at mentally throughout the process of like the first gnarly one to traffic accidents and all sorts of different things. I imagine some not not that like hu- injured or dead humans is ever a good thing, but I imagine that there's yeah. some that are maybe uh, a little bit less gross than others. Well,
1: I feel like everybody's a little bit different. Um, growing up, my dad's cousin was a volunteer firefighter and so he would work the weekends and get like these gnarly scenes. Most. Times involving traffic accidents and he would like show me some photos and i just remember from a very young age being like oh my gosh show me more um
0: you're a psycho
1: yeah yeah i feel like <laughs> some of us really are so like my old team at my old agency where i did work homicides we would have a saying that if you don't laugh you'll cry like there's sometimes we just have to find humor in our day and it's not necessarily humor about the scene or like the person that died, just something to keep us going because yeah, it can get really dark and really twisted sometimes. Um, I've been very lucky. I only had one child fatality. That was probably my hardest scene to date in 10 years. Um, I was, I was really out of whack for about a week. Um, I remember being on the scene in it, like, not really hitting. Like, I, I did everything, collected the evidence, worked with the detectives. Um, luckily, my supervisor at the time, she took those very seriously. So she came out with us because a supervisor doesn't have to come out to everything because we're so busy that she can't. Um, but she came out and she let me bring a partner because, again, with the severity, she could, she just knew. Um, and I think I was, I was younger. I was probably only 25 or 26. Um, and I just remember getting back to the office and, like, we're lucky all of our evidence is digitalized. So like we put it into a computer system to track it and it's chain of custody. So I remember like sitting and like typing and like putting it in the computer system and just like looking over at my partner and I'm like, I don't think I'm okay. And she's like, yeah, I don't think I am either. And like, luckily again, I had a great supervisor. So she like pulled us aside, like after we were done with everything and was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, no, I don't think I am. And I remember just like crying. Like it was, so that was the hardest for me. Um, I'm really close to my mom. So I like called my mom, obviously. I think that's the one thing crime scene people. And I, I think first responders in general, we don't like to put that burden on our family. So like, I didn't tell her the gory details of everything, but I did say like, yeah, I had a child fatality and I'm not okay. Um, just being able to say those words were really good. Um, I'm lucky now, like I said, my husband's a detective, so he's come to me a couple times with some of his scenes. Cause he previously worked in homicide. Um, yeah, there's just some that like definitely do stick with you a little bit more. And it's just good to talk to people. Like I said, you can't always bring it home if your spouse or your family isn't in the field. So definitely like I, I lean on my coworkers a lot. Um, they're kind of like family. I mean, there's some weeks where if I'm held over on a crime scene, I see my coworkers a little bit more than I see my husband. So I really lean on on my coworkers. Um, but yeah, some of the gnarliest things I've personally seen are car accidents. Um, Speed-related, alcohol-related. Um, yeah, those are probably my gnarliest crime scenes are traffic accidents. But yeah, I, I've just gotten good at kind of like I said coping with it our, our literal saying was yeah if you don't laugh you'll cry and we would try and just find humor is a different part of our day to keep us going
0: hmm. let me ask ask this then you've seen a lot of it if you ever have a new person that's with you and you kind of know you are, or you have a feeling or you get to call and you're like okay this is probably going to be pretty nasty and you have a new person with you are you like warn? like how does that conversation go you said because you're you're teaching more so how does that go for for you are you warning them or like how because you don't want to i feel like you don't want to make it worse for them before they get there yeah. but, but at the same time you don't want to have it be a complete just like shock
1: yeah i mean sometimes you don't know because uh radios have been hacked before like police radios have been hacked So we don't always put a lot of information over the radio. So that's why I said sometimes they'll call us. Um, Luckily at my new agency, we haven't had anything. It's jurisdiction problems. So my jurisdiction does not handle homicides. So I've been very lucky um, that since I've started teaching, I haven't had to have that conversation. But yeah, my old agency, if I knew I was going somewhere, where there was a dead body, I would talk to my trainee and be like, Hey, I know you've only been with me for a week. Have you had something like this? Um, whether it be like an overdose or a natural, because, you know, there's two different kinds of dead bodies, a homicide, which somebody caused that or a natural, which can be an overdose or a suicide. Um, and they are two very different, like kind of go into it differently. Like one, you're trying to find somebody that caused that. And the other, you're like, Oh no, this was, whether it's drug like an overdose, you're trying to find the drugs on scene. Um, so yeah, I would always like, just talk with them like, Hey, have you had any naturals yet? Have you seen any bodies yet? Um, and then it just depends on what stage they are in their training. If they're in the part where they're supposed to be doing the photography and they haven't had any dead bodies yet and they are nervous or not feeling comfortable, I will step in and just be like, Hey, you haven't done this before. If you want, I can do it. And I can talk you through what I'm doing so that the next time you have this type of case, you know what to do. Um, I kind of go into it the same way I do like with detectives, very open communication. Like, what do you feel comfortable doing? Like, yes, you're supposed to be taking over, but if you don't feel comfortable, it's not helpful for me or you. Um, I, I am very open with that conversation or like if they are going to do it, like ask me questions. If you're about to do something and you're like, Ooh, I don't know if that's right. Just stop and ask me. I would rather answer it than you do it wrong. And then be like, how do I fix this? Cause I might not be able to help you fix it, but I can help you answer it ahead of time. Um, so yeah. And it's, it's harder with new people too. Cause you know, you don't know their personalities. Like you don't know their like ticks, like if they're nervous or if they're getting uncomfortable. So you just kind of have to like, really talk, um, is my best advice. Really ask them during the whole process. How are you doing? Do you need me to help out? What do you want from me? Is there anything I can do to make this easier for you? Um, and that's why I think also I do recommend internships or ride-alongs because there are some people that are like, oh yeah, CSI is so cool. want to do that. And then they find out the types of crime scenes that, you know, crime scene people do. And they see like, A gunshot victim with blood or they see somebody that was hit in the head and there's like brain matter and they're like oh yeah this is not the job for me so that's why internships or ride-ons are kind of nice because you kind of get to like get your toes wet a little bit and kind of see like could i deal with these types of things instead of moving halfway across the country going through a training program starting it and be like oh crap this is not for me
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that makes A lot of sense um i always wonder with people who are in the military or first responders or people who work with crimes and stuff like it always gets touchy when you say like oh have you ever ever seen a dead body to somebody or something like that but i guess where i'm going with that is there's lots of videos now of these crimes actually happening that are just on Twitter or what, or like on, or whatever. And it's, it's super wacky because that sort of stuff was never in, like you could never before just go be like, Hey, I want to see somebody get shot. And like, you can go look at that now, or even like the Iraq war, like the whole thing is on YouTube. If you go look, there's like comedians have bits about it and stuff. Now I feel like it's, um, I don't know, like you see you see the, the body bags in TV shows or whatever, or you see kind of the, the gross stuff in TV, and you're like, okay, if I saw that in real life, like that's what it would look like. And then it never actually looks like that because you know on TV it's just an actor, and then you see a video, like here's a video that popped up on my Twitter of some guy, they got in like a shoving match. And the guy turned to run and he tripped and then the other guy stabbed him and you see him just like, that's it. And like, you know, he dies there and it's weird. It's surreal almost. It is. And I don't really know. I don't really have a question, I guess, but I guess what are your thoughts on that? And just, it just existing in everyone's like face now, like it's not hard to find, Like I wasn't anyway. even looking for it. It just was on my feed. And I was like, I don't really like that that's on my feed. like, I'm not generally a squeamish person. Um, but it's just there now and like if kids and stuff are on twitter and like all this stuff it's like it just yeah. seems strange I, I don't know if you i don't know if you have have thought about it or have specific thoughts as somebody who sees these things often
1: i think my first reaction is it's sad um everyone's first reaction when like problems or chaos are happening is to quickly pull out their phone and record it like that to me is just very sad um and especially like I've been on crime scenes where families show up and they are so upset and I couldn't imagine if like that was my family member and it just popped up on somebody's for you page like that's got to be devastating um yeah I think that's that's my biggest thought is it's it's kind of sad um Yeah, because before I had started this job, I mean, 10 years ago, 2013, I don't, you couldn't really find things like that. Like my first dead body was on a scene, you know, I had had a great grandfather that passed away and, you know, at calling hours I saw him in his casket, but prior to that, like. I mean, that's not even,
0: that's not even the same though. Like.
1: Right. It was at work was my first like actual dead body. And to think now that, yeah, you could probably just Google, it's a person getting stabbed, person getting shot. And it just videos just popped up. Like I think as a family member, I would just be so heartbroken, like and to see all the views and like people are mean, like the comments that like people put out on the internet, like the keyboard warriors. I could just, yeah, I could never, I'm very selective on what I even put on social media. Um, I mean, you, my social media, you have no clue where I work, but I always think of that too. Like would my job be proud of something that I posted, like, that I commented on? Like, would they be proud to say, hey, this person works for me? Or would they be like, we need to fire this person? Or even like my parents, would my parents be proud of me? Like, I, I think I have very high regard for what my parents think of me. And I want to make them proud. So I couldn't, I couldn't imagine posting a video like that, or just how easy it is to access those now.
0: Yeah, I was worried about what I was posting on the internet, and then I have 130 episodes of me talking for an hour plus. So you know, there there's that too. Um, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, I just it's just something that I it actually popped up two days ago, and I was like, I should probably ask Becca about this because it just yeah,
1: it's it so like is, easily accessible now. It's crazy.
0: Like, even uh, George Floyd, that video was out. Yeah, that like the and some of them was um and the other thing that's really strange about it is somebody could video an altercation and like cut off the first half and then post the second half and then everybody then it's the court of public opinion um yeah and that gets weird too when like for example i don't know if you've ever had this but if you have if you ever if you've ever had a case where a video of it went nuts on the internet and that's not actually what happened and like have you had that
1: um not really a video but like there's been times where like like my new office we have a tv in our office so like i'll come back from a case and i'll start like uploading my photos and the news will be on and they'll start like spewing out the facts and i'll be like that is not what happened so luckily it's just like the news just not catching the whole thing i've i've been lucky that i haven't had any actual videos go viral um but yeah yeah, if,
0: like, if you did, how would you deal? Like if, if you had a situation where a video went viral and everybody was saying one thing and then like, are you part of the, like, are you ever in court when when that happens? Or like, like how would you deal with, well, how, okay, well, how would you do, de- are you ever in court one and two, how do you deal with being in court? And then three, do you guys, have you guys talked about that as like, as a, as an agency? Like, if this happens, this is how we're going to deal with, XYZ things because then like for example you have people outside the courthouse yelling and all this other stuff and like is that something that you guys have talked about?
1: Yeah, so I have been to court. Um I work in DC, so court's huge. Um again, lucky I haven't had any of my like big cases go where there's been like media outside. Um every agency's different, but I know like my agency, we have a social media policy. So it says, like, you can't talk about any of your active cases. You can't, like, post negatively about the agency. Um, so, yeah, very specifically, if I have an active case, I cannot post about it. So
0: to you see... Can, you cannot, but if yeah. you're going into court and you've got people outside that are you know they're wrong or that you know that they don't know anything, you uh, have to keep your mouth shut and go yeah. right into court. But I guess how... I don't know. It just seems like that would be, I, would, I, I I'm the type, I'm the type of person that would yell at them. Like you are wrong.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you've seen me on the soccer field. I'm like, no, yeah. this is not correct. Uh, you have to, you have to just stay quiet because unfortunately like if you are going to court anytime you're in the public eye, that can be used against you in court. Yeah. Um, and literally the the defense is looking at anything to discredit you, whether it's relevant to the case or not. They want to discredit you to, like, just put any doubt in the juror's mind and prove their person innocent. So something as simple as you, like, being recorded walking in and out of the courtroom being like, you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about. It just puts your character into question. And they're like, oh, you couldn't control yourself for three seconds walking out of the courtroom? So, yeah, unfortunately, you, like, really have to, like, mind your, your attitude and your presence and kind of keep a poker face. And it's very hard
0: yeah have you so had to I've testify been,
1: have i ever testified yeah mm-hmm. i've got like three trials coming up in the next like month <laughs>
0: how's that how does that go you've got lawyers that are trying to paint a certain picture of various things and, and i know probably for you maybe this i'm speculating but for you maybe it's a little bit easier because you are looking strictly at like what you photographed and what you saw and so it's easier for you to kind of just say nope this is what i saw and then yeah it might be harder for them to lead, but how do you deal with the, the questions that kind of are leading or the, I don't know, I hate, well, I'll call them lawyer-y questions, but how do you deal with that?
1: So I would say like my biggest misconception when it came to court is I didn't really know what to expect. Um, But what I learned very quickly is you can only be in there, like in the courtroom for your part. So like I can't listen to the detectives testify. I can't listen to the officers. I can't watch videos that don't pertain to me because that will could potentially taint or twist my testimony. So I can only be present for the things that I did. Um, and yeah, when it comes to like me versus an officer or detective, I feel like I definitely have it easier. Like my husband, he's been in t- t- to testify for like an hour, two, three hours straight, and I'm like. Oh my gosh what are they asking you but yeah to me what did you do on this day i did photographs dna and fingerprints um luckily before i testify at all i always do like a witness conference with uh the attorney so i kind of know the case and remember and get to look at my photos and everything um if you have a good attorney they will they get the rebuttal so they can like if the defense asks you, like, like you call it, like a lawyery question and it didn't like come off that great, usually we have, we have pretty good attorneys that they'll like redirect and they'll be like, so when you said this, is that what you meant or did you mean this? So they can mm. like help clarify like a lawyer-y question that didn't come out that well. Um, but yeah, the same thing like there, you kind of got to keep a poker face. You don't want the defense to know like they're flustering you. Um, just kind of stick to your question and, if you know, your job being in forensics, like you're good. Like,
0: yeah,
1: ours is, is very about like what we did. So it's, it's hard to catch me in anything. Cause I'm like, I do the same thing on every crime scene. I do photos, I do DNA, I do fingerprints. So for me, it's just like repetition and just continuing to talk about, yeah. the thing I do, so Yeah. Officers and detectives have it a lot worse, like being the first responder or like doing the, uh, the interviews of like witnesses or suspects, like, I wouldn't want to get questioned on that.
0: No, that seems, yeah, that seems. Yeah. A little bit too much. I don't know. I, some, sometimes you see testimony or, or that's super funny like the johnny depp amber heard trial yeah. you watch like johnny depp is like this is hilarious because the lawyers are asking dumb questions and he's, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know but i, I would guess for a crime for criminal court it's a little bit less uh funny
1: yeah but, yeah more serious
0: <laughs> yeah um well we've been chatting for over an hour so and i know you've got your event to go to so do you have any uh any last nickels before we get you out of here
1: no, just like I said, if I can inspire one person to get into this field, um, I love talking about it. Um, it's fun, science is fun, fingerprints are fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the show, like I said, is the thing that inspired me, so it's uh kind of got me in the door, but yeah, it's very different than TV. We do not find murderers in one hour. <laughs>
0: That's well, yeah, well, yeah, you would that would be a pretty successful that would be a pretty big win yeah find them in one hour go through an entire trial one hour conviction jail time all of it yeah must be nice for the tv people right or like
1: yeah. walking around like the biggest funny for us we always joke about is uh csi miami they're in their like business casual and high heels i'm like I would never wear high heels to a crime scene. Can you imagine high heels and blood? That's such a safety hazard.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a good look. I never I never understood that. I It's like I feel like I'd be wearing sneakers all the time.
1: Yeah, I have black work boots, these horrendous BDU pants with all these pockets and a polo. That's my uniform. And if I get it dirty, I don't care because it's not mine.
0: <laughs> Do detectives wear suits every day? Is that a real thing?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh
1: it can be a little bit more casual, like the main you gotta wear a suit or homicide detectives. Um but my husband, like I said, just switched units, so he's a little bit more casual. Um they definitely have to wear suits to court. Um but yeah, just you wanna kind of look professional and stand out from like the officers. So they'll definitely be in like a collared shirt nice pants they yeah like homicide detectives they have to wear like nice shoes and like there has been blood they've accidentally stepped in or like a fluid has squirted it's i feel bad because they pay good money for those clothes
0: yeah that's that's nuts i wouldn't yeah. i feel like that's unfair i don't know and yeah. uh in bones i noticed that uh booth always wears vans black vans i think that's an acting thing and not a you. but i was like ah that's good yeah. good good job dude <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll get you out of here. I appreciate your time, and uh, can I send if people have questions? Can I send them to you? Yeah. Cool. So I will. I'll do that, and then.
1: Yeah, I can even um, give you like my email too, if that's sure. the one I gave you for the podcast. Was like yeah, my... yeah spammy one but i do have a professional one people can yeah we'll
0: do it we'll do it offline i don't want to spam your email to the world (laughs) normally these outros go a little smoother so i guess we'll just end it here we'll see everybody next time peace